0: Welcome to Opinionated with Ben Schiller. Ben is a features editor at CoinDesk. He's a seasoned business journalist, and he'll be talking with some of the most fascinating contributors to CoinDesk daily opinion section. Ben is joined by two CoinDesk reporters, co-host Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. This episode is sponsored by PumaPay. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.
1: Hi, welcome to Opinionated. I'm Ben Schiller. Joining me today is co-host Anna Bajdakova.
2: Hello, guys. How are you doing? Good. Melting here in Moscow, just (laughs) like the Bitcoin price.
1: (laughs) Yeah, That's true. We're melting here in New York too. Danny Nelson is taking a well-deserved break this week. So we're going to focus on China this week with the help of a very well-placed person. That's Dovi Wan from Primitive Ventures. And welcome, Dovi.
3: Hey, Ben. Hey, Anna. It's melting here in mainland as well. It's not just the weather, but overall the market sentiment as well.
2: It Um, must be
1: climate change or something. Everyone's melting everywhere.
3: (laughs) Is
2: Bitcoin
3: (laughs) melting the planet? (laughs) Definitely not. Bitcoin is green
1: it's a very opportune moment to talk with you about China. Some big news out over the weekend, various provinces over there that apparently are banning mining of Bitcoin. And then there was news this week from the central bank, China's central bank, that Uh financial institutions are apparently not allowed anymore to facilitate virtual currency transactions, which obviously will have a big impact on the market. And we're already seeing that reflected in the price this morning, which is now below $30,000. So Dovi, just fill us in. What do you think is happening in in the market? What is the government trying to do with these bans and these signals that it's making?
3: Right. And I think it might be helpful just to give a little bit governance background, I would say, because China is a very generalized term and there's CCP, there's financial regulators and like there's also like local governments and so like China itself is kind of like a vague concept like to many Westerners. In order to estimate the importance of a given policy and its potential impact, you you need to see who actually made the announcement at the first place and what specific occasion, right? So like the overall Chinese governance is very status driven. So basically means the same announcement will weigh completely different from the vice president of the state, de- state Department versus like the head of the central bankers, for instance. So, like this time, the executive order is coming from the VP, like which has a much more higher political clout, as well as the executive power over pretty much everything. And the CCP is leading the State Department. And like this time is the vice president of the State Department. So it's basically at the top of the pyramid. So even comparing with the 2017 ban, the executive order is coming from a joint effort from several financial regulators, central banker and then also the China SEC. Basically, if we consider the political inference is at like a second tier comparing with the BP, that's probably a good framework led to think about.
2: I wonder if one reason for the crackdown on mining especially, has anything to do with uh, environmental concerns? I heard there are certain issues with the water supply in China. I'm not sure how correct that is. Just curious if there can be any other reasoning on cracking down on mining in particular, or overall idea that the Chinese Communist Party actually never liked Bitcoin and it just doesn't want to tolerate it anymore.
3: I personally think it's much more ideological than than like the actual economical reasonings, because I think it makes sense. Let's following just carbon footprint things like that, right? If we follow that logic, they should just spend in the Mongolia and like probably Xinjiang as well. But why Sichuan? Sichuan are all just access like hydropowers, right? So because the power generation anyway is a waste, because the local municipal regions cannot consume that much power, especially during the rain season. I think they can frame it as something to do carbon footprint, but basically just like not self-evident, and so it's very contradictory to like what they has been saying about the carbon footprint. But if you look at Sichuan, most of the miners they are like using fully legal electricity and basically directly purchased from the state grid. So it is fully legal electricity, and then it's fully environmental friendly, and then also helping local government to consume, like otherwise will be completely wasted energy out there. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't think there's any economical reason to basically banning Sichuan.
0: Afraid of missing out on the latest crypto opportunities? Well, then it's time to head on over to Pumapay.io. Pumapay's first liquidity pool is now live on PancakeSwap. Deposit liquidity today and claim your share of a 750 million PMA token reward. Hurry now. Visit PumaPay.io today. That's PumaPay.io.
1: Obviously, China has its own national digital currency, the DCEP. Do you think that could also be a driver for banning Bitcoin, that it sees Bitcoin as a competitor to its own currency?
3: I personally don't think so as well because... If you look at like how the DCEP has been orchestrated and the potential future adoption, it's completely at two different scales. The fiat on-rem and off ramp of Bitcoin and many other native cryptocurrency has been in this like gray area. So for like many years, like after the 2017 ban, so people have to do it under the table, right? And when it comes to DCEP, everything is top-down. Right now you can literally go to Beijing and there, I think majority of the ATM branches under one of these major national banks. So you can easily just deposit and like withdraw DCP with cash, right? And so if the central government wants to roll out like DCP to the massive scale, it can quickly happen. I don't think they will consider the Bitcoin adoption as a threat to DCEP, which is just, they wouldn't care less, to be honest.
2: I wonder if the DCEP, the Digital Yuan, is really popular among people in China. From your conversations, are people curious about that? Are they excited about using it? What people say about Digital Yuan, about the central bank currency? Mm-hmm.
3: China, thanks to Alipay and and then also WeChat Pay for like last three to five years is pretty much cashless already. I think just from my pure from my observation, average Chinese citizen, they don't care about this like new payment channel. They don't care whether the back end is from Tencent, from Alibaba or from the central banker. Like they have no idea at the back end. And then like, how does it differ? But because like the DCP is a cash equivalent and Alipay and which I paid, they're just an electronic payment, right? And so fundamentally they're different, but as the, like an end user, they first of all they don't understand the nuances. And second, they simply consider it as another payment channel. The average Chinese citizen will just think about two things. First of all, whether it's cheaper and whether it's faster. I think for merchant, I remember like DCP will have a much better rate for merchant and much faster settlement, comparing with Alipay and then also wechat pay so i think that might be a key driver for like the larger merchant adoption oh and like the other thing is for the dcep you basically don't even need like a bank account so in order to use wechat and like alipay so you will basically need some kind of like bank account connected with it to use the dcep wallet is just like a physical wallet with the physical cash so so it's actually pretty convenient, especially for the elder and like senior citizens, because many of them don't know how to use the relatively complex um, like WeChat app. Like, because I'm not sure you guys use WeChat. It's like a super app. It's like everything all in one, right? So it's like a combination of I would say WhatsApp, Uber, DoorDash. It's like PayPal, Square, and so it's a very sophisticated app. Like, especially for the senior citizens. And so the central banker has been specifically emphasized the reason for them to roll out this like DCEP is to so it's just to empower not just the own bank but also the senior citizens and who are not that tax savvy, which I think makes sense actually.
1: What do you think this ban by the various provinces and maybe the central bank ban on financial intermediaries in this economy? What will it do, do you think, to? China's profile as a center for Bitcoin mining and a Bitcoin activity going forward. And do you think this is going to have an effect, the downward pressure on the price of Bitcoin?
3: I think the outcome, first of all, going to be hash power redistribution. This is at the first direct order of the outcome. Hash rate has been dropped, I think, one third less since the VP memo was out. So it's very interesting because that this might be the first time of such a big scale of like hash rate like plummet like especially like this time the miners are not forced out economically because that mining is still highly profitable for bitcoin at like 30k price right and so they are forced out due to local regulation so ironically whoever can still turn the machine on right now are literally just a printing money yeah. and because the total hash rate drops so much the mining reward stays the same whoever remaining will get a much higher mining profits. And the other outcome is going to be the local fiat channel closed down and like suspension uh, partner with all the major banking channels. And so like banks, like local Chinese banks have been deploying pretty sophisticated detection detection technology on whether you have done crypto OTC trade. I'm not sure how they have been doing this because it seems to be impossible, which means like the big brother is really mighty like when it comes to your digital financial footprints, like because I have no idea how they can actually track it because we can just do peer-to-peer transaction, right? But somehow they're able to figure out and you have done this uh, crypto fiat on off related to crypto trading activity. And, and like many of my local friends, like their like bank account has been frozen for months, like without accessibility. Like once they're like being detected, they're basically on this uh, gigantic wireless. This will make the local fiat liquidity almost impossible to scale, I would say, and then probably force um, some of these local Bitcoin holder, if they want to sell, right? So first of all, they might be panic selling. And then also because they have to feed their family on renminbi. And then also in the fear of this uh, future completely suspension, they might just uh, sell as quickly as possible. So I think this would definitely create constant sell pressure for a while. Do
2: you think they really can shut down the OTC trading so that it really grinds to a halt and the OTC desk get shut down, like people get arrested, or maybe not just shut down their business and all the fiat inflow is
3: blocked? It cannot be a hundred percent. So I think like things will probably retreat back to this local Bitcoin fashion, right? And I sent you Bitcoin through. I don't know, Tor or like Wasabi wallet, like to make sure everything is mixed. And so you can probably hand me cash, right? And so I think this is like the most secure way if I want to do any b fiat on and off-ram. And then also this is not illegal. Occasional personal transaction is okay. Basically, you cannot do it at like systematic scale. And so if you want to make it as a business or you want to... Establish a certain platform for like matchmaking that is illegal, right? The intent is just to squeeze it out to like a certain extent that it will make it very hard to be scalable, but this like, sporadically individual transaction will still be around. So I don't think they can suspend it hundred percent. Talking about the outcome, and I think the most severe outcome will happen to exchanges. So I think there will be some action towards it. I personally think the worst is yet to come. The worst case scenario probably gonna be shut down completely. This is also contradictory to many Westerners' perception that would be okay their offshore like exchanges, even though their legal entities are offshore, effectively still largely running in mainland China. So their headquarters, majority of their operation and then most of their employees. So they're actually still in mainland china and like they're still in beijing actually they might have servers like offshore but that actually doesn't matter especially when the owners of the business are effectively trapped in mainland so i'm not sure what's gonna happen this time because we have seen last year at like a smaller scale when the okex founder dashi he was under the chinese police custody the okex basically just suspended the entire withdrawal process and that create a little bit panic. If they really want to shut down the whole thing, like the exchange operation, it doesn't matter whether their server is offshore. So they can just simply arrest the two owners of the exchanges and then just like keep them under the police custody forever until they are broken down and agree just to hold the entire operation. So I think that's like a worst case scenario. Well,
1: that sounds uh, really very serious. I mean, you're operating in this market in mainland China. Are you personally worried about your business, or worried about your portfolio? So
3: first of all, our entity, we're offshore. We are highly decentralized and our business is not facilitating any via on-ramp and like off-ramp and not facilitating like capital flight as well. We're simply investing primary market. It's quite safe, I would say. The people at risk are OTC operators, wallet operators like what they consider as this a fiat gateway and then also capital flight gateway and because we are not gateway we are simply just capital allocators and so we are like totally fine
2: so i wonder if we can kind of picture the near future for crypto in china and for the rest of the world as well so we see these big crypto businesses apparently leaving china right now big mining companies some of the trading ventures At the same time, China is really consistent in deploying the DCAP system, its own central bank currency, and it's really consistent with developing its own government-approved blockchain, the BSN. Maybe we can think of some, I don't know, like predictions, speculations of, of what will be the role of China in the world regarding crypto and regarding, you know, the entire digital asset space with all the developments we see now?
3: Personally, I think we have to distinguish the native crypto asset, like the meta crypto assets, such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, with the just like the fiat coin, right? So what I consider this a digital fiat coin. They're like completely different. Let's talk about the native crypto asset. And I think China basically just opt out. So the CCP regime, it basically opt out from this global crypto game. I know people are like speculating on okay, whether they're working on their like state-owned channel of like native crypto asset trading, et cetera, et cetera, or like probably they might be mining at like a national scale, right? Just a like this like state-owned mining operation. I think the chance is relatively low, to be honest. Just like I mentioned before, like Bitcoin is a tiny thing comparing with many other things CCP are They really care about regaining the power. And just uh, the glorious of this uh, Chinese cultural, like worldwide, and as well as like many other infrastructure technology, like AI and like, 5G. And like CCP has a really good record, just a uh, track record and like really good consistency for its narrative towards like native crypto asset. So they have been emphasizing on and on that the native crypto asset is different creatures than the blockchain technology. So they have been speaking highly of the blockchain technology itself but never advocating the naked crypto asset. So I think the chance of them running their own operation like secretly or like planning something like state-owned is very, very low.
2: In other words, do you think we should expect China uh, in their foreseeable future to play a smaller role in the crypto economy of the world, uh, in Bitcoin mining, in in crypto trading and so on, because it will be in many ways banned? (laughs) and a bigger role on the fiat macroeconomy.
3: Yeah, so I think for this apparel universe that we are in, like this uh, native individual sovereignty kind of role, China will further minimize its influence, and which is actually a good thing for the long-term future. I think like, this also further proves that Bitcoin and also POW is a really beautifully designed anti-fragility system. Because it further decentralized adversary powers the influence on the over system uh, through a very centralized dictatorship on the current situation. Basically, like Bitcoin couldn't care less which nation state like wants to participate. So if like the Beijing government, so if like they don't want to play the game, there will be other nations or like the other interests simply pick it up, either can be for uh, economical reason or like probably for the other political reason. I think this is a very interesting power dynamic and just like game theory at the global macro econ level. So we'll make Bitcoin much more viable and like much more resilient and robust in the future.
1: That's probably a good place to leave it. Uh, That's a good uh, kind of endorsement of Bitcoin's uh, decentralization and resilience, but maybe there's a short term hit in terms of government power and uh, what China is doing today. Thanks very, very much, uh, Dovi, for coming on. That was amazing to get that insight uh, from the ground.
3: Yeah, sure. Anytime.
1: Fantastic. So it was uh, Anna Badakova and uh, Michelle Mousseau was in the booth today. And thank you, Dovi Wan, for coming on. I'm Ben Schiller, and this was Opinionated.
2: See you all next week.
0: You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Badakova, and guest Dovi Wan. Today's show is produced, edited, and announced by Michelle Mousseau with music by Ender. Have any questions or comments? Send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.